This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Aloha, Dreamland. My name is Jeremy Vaney. I am your guest host for this week. And before we begin, I just want to say that this will be my last episode of the year. I will probably be back early next year. And I will uh, probably also, probably, have um, uh, start that, that series that I've been talking about, wanting to do, about um, what this phenomena that we call aliens and alien abduction uh, is or are, um, and you know what it might be, what humans are, what our role in this is, why it's not all playing out in the rational way we would like it to, through disclosure and all of that. Um, the deep stuff. I want to do the deep, you know, ufology grad school. I had called it. Um, I wanted to do that in January, but now my schedule is filling up with like people who want to come visit. So. <laughs> which never happens. Saying it like that, like, this never happens. And now all of a sudden a bunch of people are coming to visit. So, uh, you know, get to it when I get to it. Um, it'll be early next year, though. What else? I have a new YouTube series called He's So Vainy. As the title implies, uh, it's a bit of arrogance and comedy. Um, so if you at all enjoy the arrogance and comedy that slips out of me from time to time here, you're going to really love that show. It's a short form reaction show. It's a YouTube show uh, reacting to videos having to do with consciousness, so-called spirituality, and ufology. Um, if you don't like my sense of humor and all of that, do not watch the show. But if you like it, he's so veiny. Um, perhaps I'll have a link to it here. What else? The holidays are coming. Go buy my books. Thank you and good night. Um, Lastly, and, and firstly, not at all leastly, this week's episode is uh, near and dear to my heart. It is um, a friend of mine from high school, Tracy Facetti, who, um, when I was doing Paratopia with Jeff Ritzman, rest his soul, we had her and a bunch of people on uh, to talk about our Ouija board experiences from high school, which we'll get into in this episode. Um, but at the time, Jeff, who is an extraordinary experiencer, meaning that he he knew his his experiences, like he had meticulous detail of them through conscious recall. Like he just never had a block on it and never had to get hypnosis, never wanted to because he knew the faults of it and all that. And he had abduction type experiences um, with the short gray people. Um, and then Jeff's situation changed to where he was having sit-down chats with a tall shrouded being, no longer being abducted by short gray people, but a tall shrouded being uh, came into his living room and you know, like woke him up at night and said, hey, come downstairs, uh, let's have a talk. And he had a number of talks, one of which he told him to write down and said, you know, you can share this with Jeremy, you can share this with one other person, you'll know who that is when it's time. I don't remember how it is that we ended up sharing it on the show, if you told him you can do that too at some point when it's right, or if you just asked him later, can I just put this on the show? I don't remember how that played out. But the person that he was told to tell it to was Tracy, who he didn't know. She was my high school friend. We had her on a Ouija board episode, and right after the show, um, he was like, Hey, remember, you know, that the, the other person, I, it's her. I'm supposed to tell her. So we rang her back up, recorded the call, 
and I'm going to play it for you now. So if you've never heard this before, get ready. <laughs> get ready to hit that rewind button because this is a rather long message from a shrouded being from wherever, telling you where he's from, essentially, um, and you know what that means. Now, in conjunction with this episode, last, what will be now last month, um, I released a Peritopia Halloween special, as I do every year, because it was Jeff's favorite holiday. And so this year I concentrated on the Shroud Man prophecy, as I call it. Um, but there, there were two things. I won't share them here. I share them on that Peritopia episode. So again, go to my YouTube channel. I'll have a link to the show, um, and you, you can listen to it there. Um, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, just plug in Our Undoing Radio, and that's where Paratopia is. It's on the Our Undoing Radio feed. And part of what I do in that episode is um, a reaction to what you're about to hear. So as we go along, I pause it and I give my reaction now to what I'm hearing. But the other part is I give these two bits that Jeff never talked about publicly, even though the being said he could. <laughs> He never talked about them, and I, so I, I tell what they are, and I tell why. So you can go listen to that. But for now, let's listen to this, and then I will interview Tracy, and you'll find out during the interview why I'm interviewing Tracy about this, okay? So um, I won't repeat it here. Let's just get into it. Here is uh, Jeff Ritzman telling Tracy, hey, I got something to tell you. Don't go anywhere, Dreamlanders. We're coming right back. Hey Dreamlanders, Jeremy Vaney here with a quick reminder that I am not just a talk show host. Oh no, I am also an author. So, if you like what you hear from me here and you'd like more clarity or expansion on uh, topics dealing with alien abduction and the paranormal, my books, I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land, I Am to Tell You This and I Am to Tell You It Is Fiction, and Aliens, The First and Final Disclosure are good for what ails ya. If you like the purely spiritual take uh, on things that I give, Urgency is the book for you. And if you're just looking for like a great read in the fiction area, I've got you covered there too with books like Into the End and the comedy Free Space. Um, I also have a children's book, which is called The Story of Toe. So, I got all that, and now you can get all that too. Um, you can check me out on Amazon.com, of course, um, or head over for um, my take <laughs> on my own books. I'm, I've decided to sort of do a review of my own books on my uh, OurUndoing.com uh, homepage. So, OurUndoing.com, just head over there, go to the bookshop, you will find me. Um, I really appreciate your patronage, and who knows? If I sell a few books, maybe I'll write another one. Hmm. I think I got another one in the works. It took a little while, but I wrote notes, and I was told that I could, uh, I was to sh share those with Jeremy and one other person whom I would know. Um, mm. When that was... And, uh, well, here's the funny part. I think it's you. <laughs> yeah. No. So, you're right. <laughs> um, so I just read this, and, um, and, uh, and, and so I've done my thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It says, we, meaning earth and people, are smaller than the smallest measurement that mankind is capable of measuring. 
This is in comparison to the larger perspective, which has no known end and is self-perpetuating. The fractal is the single greatest discovery of mankind. The answers from the artist to the scientist are there. Mankind will never be able to see with technology what the micro-subatomic particles really are, because what exists there is another universe, infinitesimally small and likely a replication of our current sense of reality, meaning space, people, and technology, etc., etc. We, too, live within, uh, to our perspective, a larger version of a particle world. To back out from Earth to the end of reality itself without human perception is the trick. There's currently no ability to do this. Your reality includes infinite space that is contained within a single particle. Everything you know or can perceive, and we've only seen the smallest portion of that, is within that single particle. There are other particles. There are within those particles other intelligence unimaginable to you. The reality of those particles, too, is imperceptible to you within your physical body. Time. Time is perceptual and only governed by perception. If your world had no inhabitants, time would become irrelevant. If your world had no inhabitants to exist on it, your world would not exist at all. Nor would your perceptible vision of the cosmos. It would simply instantly cease to exist. Your science has already made note of quantum particles that come in and out of existence instantly and constantly. Within those particles are worlds, intelligences, and all live their history in the wink of your eye. To those within these particles of reality, their time is long, seemingly billions of our years. You see their birth, life, and transcendence in nanoseconds. To you, it's just a strange particle with little explanation that comes into reality and leaves just as quickly. Now scale that up. You too are within a particle that will one day simply cease and will wink out of its existence. You and all other intelligence will long have left this perception of reality, so not to worry. The question is, where have all these intelligence gone to? This as of yet unknown to me. I know you're, what you're thinking, and yes, there is someone looking at our particle. But there is someone else looking at his particle, and so on. Now take this straight line of the fractal model and expand it to parallels. These two exist in the same framework and described. They are the echoes of other realities. The question is, which one is the source of the echo? What you have heard is true in a sense. Every molecule is a yawning chasm to another world. If you desire contact, you do well to take a lesson from Horton. Listen to the smallest particle, not the vastness of your perceived cosmos. I am not from outside your existence. I have come from a particle in your world, one older and more complex than your science has even thought exists. In a strange sense, you've already known this when you theorize they exist in the space between space. In a certain sense, this is true, but we are beginning to question what that space really is. So there you are. I'm out. That's really amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything to you? You know, as in, like, why you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I've been searching for a lot of answers yet lately, and I really needed that reminder that there's a lot more than us now. I can't possibly, with my finite mind, grasp everything that's being communicated there, but it, it resonates with me 
on many levels. You know, you know how you can't really explain. Mm-hmm. But who is Horton? Is Horton is here's a who? That you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horton yeah, here's the a giant who. elephant <clears throat> listening to the tiny particle. Wow. Well, That's where he says they are. And I, I mean, I, at that point, and I, I didn't get to tell Jeremy this before we rang you back, but that's where I got the, um, this kind of visionary, which happens around him is, uh, you get these pictures, excuse me. And, and the picture that I got, um, was like, uh, and I mean, it's bizarre as a sound. It was me sitting at a drafting desk, and I don't even have a drafting desk, but it was me sitting at a drafting desk, and then it pulled backwards to the earth, and then it pulled backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards through all this stuff, and it ended up that what it looked like was white with like, uh, like dryer lint. <laughs> it looked like dry, it looked like a little piece of dryer lint. And that little piece of dryer lint was a particle. And, uh, and so then it, when it backed out from that, there was a scientist looking at this particle. But that particle was my entire universe. And then it backed out from him, and the whole thing kept repeating over and over and over and over and over and over. Um, wow. And it was just like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's it? That's what this is? Uh, it just keeps going backwards and backwards. And that's where the spiral comes in, Jeremy. That's where the spiral is. That is the fractal. The fractal is the same things doing the same over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Which this is, And this is what like, came to me after it was all over was, you know how I hear you say things like, well, you are God. Mm-hmm. Well, you are. <laughs> you are. Because you're the one looking through the microscope. You know, it's you. You're the one. You know, through each of our own little perceptual windows, we're looking through the microscope. And yet there's somebody behind us looking through their microscope, but the guy looking at his and the guy looking at his, and it just keeps going. But they're all you. Mm-hmm. See, that's the bizarre thing. Well, uh, the first, um, you know, <clears throat> abduction experience where i saw beings Mm. uh that took place in the east village was you know me waking up into this dream of coming out of my bedroom and saying good morning to my mom and then realizing that i'm in a dream Uh and then waking up and coming out of my bedroom and realizing i'm in a dream and then waking up over and over and over again uh but but it was all different versions of myself including a female including a little boy and you know like every sort of version of myself was doing this. Uh, And then at some point I would become aware that I'm dreaming and then I would wake up and it just kept going on and on and on. But then through that breaking through that was what I perceived to be the reality of the situation, which is me lying somewhere and having these, you know, the gray beings in the tunics uh, standing over me, staring at me. Right. And, you know, in the abduction literature, you know, it's always out there. Well, they're doing operations. They're experimenting on you or whatever. But, <laughs> right. But this sounds like that, yeah. doesn't it? This sounds like, no, these are the guys staring at our particle. <laughs> and, right. And those are all of the various particles of, you know, if you want to put it that way, like all of the interconnected human existences. Uh, uh-huh. And then the thing that sort of is stepped back from that and looking at all of these uh, various human existences is this other thing. You know, that yeah. we call the, the gray or whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, that's, what, I, that's what it put me in mind of. 
I mean, I got the sense that that because um, uh, I was thinking I was seeing me in all these different timelines or all these various parallel universes, but mm-hmm. well, I guess that's sort of what it's saying, right? Is that well, it is kind of. I mean, it, the question is, is that they want you know what what he's saying is that they don't know which one is the source of the echo, you know. Like I find it really amazing that there's stuff that he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, and because, he's even interested you know, in the stuff between stuff. So yeah. we're, we're on level with this guy if if we're catching on to the things between things. But uh, as <laughs> as I told Jeremy, he said this is the most rudimentary like kindergarten explanation. This was not you know, uh, this was not all of it, and it certainly doesn't define you know where he comes from. But I did. Um, I mean, before, you know, he just stood up. I mean, it was really abrupt this time, which was odd, because after I got done writing, I said, you know, he stood up, and I just looked up at him, and I realized, again, how freaking tall he is. And I said, are we ever going to meet anyone else? Like, is there ever going to, is there anyone else out there, you know, in space, is what I meant. And, um, and, um, and he said, um, at some point, but don't be surprised if it's you. (laughs) Which I thought was interesting because, you know, I just – and late, earlier today I was just picturing like, you know, what happens if we hear a signal from this nanoparticle and it's us, you know, and, in which case that's it. That's what he's talking about because it's all us. Um, it's all – I mean, and this is all within our perceptual uh, – it's not to say we're the only ones. That's not – I don't think that's what he meant. So he means for us, for our kindergarten, you know, education here or or uh, answer here is that what you're looking at is you and uh, and and there are others that are all around you all the time, uh, but they are small. Um, and incidentally, <laughs> um, I I find this. This was the most mind-blowing thing that literally kept me awake until like 6.30 this morning. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't blame you. By well, others who are small, does he mean people who just haven't woken up at all? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I, mean, one of the, I mean, one of the earliest, earliest things that happened to me in studying UFOs was uh, meeting a man who was in his 70s who claimed to me to be, and I had no reason to disbelieve him because his credentials all checked out and, and where he, you know, his papers at work and his IDs and all that was all very solid. And he said that he was a photographer and he was um, charged to go in and photograph a very sensitive object. And when I asked him what it was, he, he just kind of looked at me and he goes, well, it was a fucking flying saucer is what it was. And he almost he almost acted angry about it, you know. And he's like, you know, I don't, I, I'm old and I don't care anymore. He's like, but I'm telling you, they're real. And he says, but here's where no one believes anything that I've said for years about this. He said there was no way to get into this. It wasn't like you know there was a uh, a ladder that came down or anything like that. He said there was a hole in the top, and he had to be in a like a uh, like a diaper harness. He called it. And lowered into this thing by a crane. He said it was inside of a hangar. He didn't know where the hangar was because they blindfolded him, flying him in. 
And he said, when they lowered me in, uh, they told me to be prepared for um, a disorienting effect, disorientating effect. And he says, when they lowered me inside of this, uh, what looked to be like a 35-foot wide thing, it was bigger inside than the hangar was inside, meaning this thing could not possibly have contained all of that space within this tiny little thing. He said it was twice as big as the hangar when they put him through the hole, when it was only 30 feet wide. And the hangar was, you know, something like 800, 900 feet wide. So um, that, in this sense, makes some kind of weird sense to me that, you know, the space between space opens up and, um, and, and you know, mass and density and, and all of that. This is all playing into all these particle things and, you know, how do they get big and... Well, they're not big, you know, they're small, um, you know, and everybody, everybody thinks probes when you see some small little craft floating in the air. Well, that doesn't mean it's small um, inside. So, you know, it, all of this, I mean, that just kept me awake. I was thinking about that guy in that, <laughs> in that little disc seeing this huge world inside and, um, uh, and I was just like, that makes perfect sense to what he's saying. And ordinarily, my motto is never trust an alien. But <laughs> how do you how do you throw this out the window and go, nah? <laughs> you can't. Yeah, no, you, can't. you really can't. Dreamlanders, stick around. We'll be back after this. Unknowncountry.com. It's huge. It's much more than just a Whitley Strieber book site. It contains thousands of hours of interviews, meditations, podcasts of all kinds. My original hypnosis tapes are there. You can actually hear the moment that I discovered that I at least was not alone in this universe in the office of Dr. Donald Klein so many years ago. Whitley Strieber Audiobooks, Communion, Transformation, The Secret School, Breakthrough, Majestic, and so much more powerful meditations. But more even than all that, it is a community of people who are either looking to gain contact or actually in contact now. There is no community like it in the world. It is absolutely unique. Contact really is happening here. That's what these shows are all about. That's what my life and this website are about. It's real, and it can be of enormous benefit to us individually and to mankind as long as we Take our part and do it our way. This is what being a member of Unknown Country is about. So go to unknowncountry.com and subscribe today. Join us and join, very frankly, the future. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Dreamland, Tracy Facetti, Meol High School pal. Tracy, thank you for doing this, and welcome to the show. 
Thanks for inviting me, Jeremy. Uh, where to begin? Um, I guess, you know, sort of thematically to me, this episode is like, I kind of probably have joked to you about like what's in the water in Taunton, Massachusetts. Um, because Taunton, Massachusetts famously, uh, I think it's the second largest land mass in Massachusetts to Boston population wise, not even close. But a lot of that is Hockamock Swamp, which is famous for being part of the Bridgewater Triangle. So I don't know how much of this is actual backstory and just fun mythology, but it's fun to note that. Like we live sort of, <laughs> yeah. And I just find it interesting. I've had several friends through the years come up and uh, or email me or whatever and say, you know, old high school pals that they might be alien abductees or their family member might be alien abductees or now I'm a psychic medium or whatever it is, you know, this sort of like how much can happen within one group of high school friends and it not be a coincidence. Um, I just find that interesting. So, and you're someone who's had sort of an evolution of, you know, what we call high strangeness, but maybe it's just sort of expanded normalcy uh, throughout your life. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Like, let's let's delve into your life with that as the background. What do you feel is a, a good place to start? You know, I have the idea to start. You, you brought up Taunton, right? So we grew up in the same neighborhood, Whittington, right? I, I was, what, like, not even an eighth of a mile from you. Like, I, it was like a three-minute walk to your house. And I think I was 14 when I first came to your house. And... um it was there in your room. And I remember I came to play Legends of Zelda because you had the Nintendo set up there. <laughs> I loved that game. That's how I, I suckered all my friends into coming over, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Scott that got us there and then I just wanted to go back to your house to play Legends of Zelda, but you had a cool room with all you know, the Michael Jackson stuff. And it was the Whitley Streber books that I always remembered. I had no idea who he was, but I was fascinated. At the time, I had just started dabbling. Um, I started reading Jane Roberts' books, you know, the Seth material and that whole... Uh -huh. I read, like, maybe five books of hers, and that was really the only digging I had started to do. And then I saw your books, and it's just, like I told you in a message, watching your evolution, like when you made contact with Whitley and... It's just been a trip watching your journey. It's been great. <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't realize anyone was watching my journey. It, so. No, it's, it's, been, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I've enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. But I think... Yeah, it's interesting, like, through the years when you do podcasting and stuff and you talk about this, and especially when you have, like, my cadence and my voice, which kind of, I know, like, sounds kind of like talk show hosty or something. Yeah. Like, I don't, I feel like I personally, my voice does not sound authentic coming out of my own mouth. And I get that. And I, so I feel like people think that, therefore, that I must be lying about stuff. And, but you can vouch for the fact that I've been talking about this since well, I He school. has always been this way. This is <laughs> Jeremy. I mean, this is his evolved version, yes. But this is Jeremy. This is how, yeah, you've always had this, this wit and this, this humor and it's followed you everywhere. In the Ouija board. Uh, you're welcome, world. Yes. <laughs> right? In the Ouija board. You were uh, a key catalyst in, in things happening there because of your... <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to the Ouija board for sure. Uh, but it, was there... 
anything like so since becoming an adult and reading about stuff reading up on trickster theory and how um paranormal events happen to people at liminal moments in their lives um happens to people well we see this in movies all the time too right like i've said this before like there's the the common ghost story is we just moved in or we just got divorced or you know it's some uh, you're in a betwixt and between moment in your life, and it seems as though that breaks up your reality tunnel, and more stuff can come in and say booga da booga da boo. And that it seems to happen for people who come from abusive backgrounds and who come from, you know, like I don't think it's a coincidence that I was molested as a child, and I'm you know onto all of this because I think like having the sense of a no authority figure that can help you in life yeah. kind of takes away that that barrier of comfort that we all have early on. And I don't know how much of your past you want to get into, but do you see that as relevant to your story and your journey with this? No, absolutely. I felt it was the same. And I, I listened to um, Judy's Judy's journey last week uh, on the show. That was really good. Um, yeah, same story. Um, I was kind of on my own. Um, parents divorced when I was young. I, I don't have any distinct memories like you had, um, but it, it wasn't a happy childhood, that's for sure. And I, I was on my own quite a bit, left to my own devices. Um, there was definitely some trauma there for sure. Um, but yeah, that door opened young apparently. Um, and you're right about that, the liminal spaces, that's where it happens. It's like that egg cracks and it's just enough, like Judy was saying, for that light to come in. Right. You know? And do you, um... I mean, I remember, you know, in high school, you were sort of the artsy girl, right? You had the cool hair with the colors and the, <laughs> the whole thing going on. So did, did that also create, um, because our high school, as I recall, was heavily jock-centered. So did that cause you any trouble growing up being who you were in that kind of um, high school situation? I suppose. There, were a lot, there was a really strong artsy group, though, too. You got to remember, if you think back to all the... the we got the drama club, we had the music kids, we had, um, and then there was a really heavy art group. I don't know if you remember, there was a, um, an article posted in the Gazette back then after we graduated saying that there was a bumper crop of art students coming out of the class this year. Talk about something in the water, but it was just like the creativity was just like an explosion for us, right? And look how many of us went into, well, not me particularly, but how many of our class went into professions and they do really well for themselves, like artistically. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do think about that. Like, yeah. Were we, Me too. Were we different or was or is this like this everywhere? I, I have a feel, I have, I have a sneaky suspicion this was a special moment in time in this little town, you know. Something in that swamp. <laughs> Something in the swamp. Maybe that's the name of this episode. Uh, <laughs> draw people in. Um so, okay, as you were growing up, now, you're at a place now, and we'll get to it, where you have a whole bunch of stuff going on, but, but is that something that you have come to now, or did you always know that as you were going along? Did you have certain things happen when you were a kid and a teenager and then an early adult um, that were of a paranormal or a psychic or a spiritual nature, any of that? Um, that you knew about and remembered then, or is it something that you kind of blocked out and came to now? 
I think there's still some that I may have blocked out. I think I had experiences when I was younger. Um, I just found myself always searching, you know, like all of us, never feeling like we quite belonged in this world. And, you know, it's been a struggle um, until I really accepted, you know, that my path is a, a spiritual one, like a deeper one where it's going to take a lot of seeking, a lot of digging. Um, yeah, it was quite a bit of a struggle. Um, what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, just do you remember, do you have oh, events that you remembered growing up or did it come to you later in life? Um, hmm. Yeah, nothing specific, which is one of the reasons I was considering getting hypnotized, but, but I'm not going to go there. Hmm. Um, okay. I just had an... So when we... Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? I basically just had an inner knowing. And then in the teen years is when things started with the Ouija board. And then I started because we saw actual physical phenomena and heard it and experienced it during that time. And that was. Well, OK. okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So that was the first time, really. OK, so time. for the first time that you remember having sort of like big, you know, non-normal experiences. Yeah. Um, what was do you remember enough to explain what that was to people? Because we did a Paratopia special years ago with uh, Tracy and um, I think my friend Paul and maybe someone else. I don't remember. Uh, sorry, whoever that third person might be. So for the Dreamland audience who doesn't know anything of what we're talking about uh, in terms of our Ouija board escapades, um, you want to set this up because it really heavily revolved around you in a way. Um, or at least the beginnings of it. So, well, I guess the through line, the storyline was kind of your storyline. Um, do you want to set this up for everyone or, or do you want me to? It's up to you. You should do that because it's a funny thing. I think I've actually blocked some of it out. I know it had to do with my mother's <laughs> boyfriend and the house I was in was old and haunted. But that's really all. I yeah, but I don't remember how we started playing. So I, I had a Ouija board, a nice Parker Brothers oh, Ouija did. board. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I and I and I think it was originally it was me, you, Paul, and you know some other maybe one other. I don't know. It started off small, and then the group of us grew bigger mm -hmm. as it became more intriguing. But it started off with this, uh, I don't know, some sort of entity, <laughs> let's say, um, who claimed to be. I, I don't know. He, it was a very coherent situation. Let's put it that way. Like we jotted things down in a notebook. He would tell us, like, I live next to a church and the church bells would go off and he would say things like, oh, French bells from a church. Like he would note that. None of us would know that they were French bells. We had to like actually, you know, ask a priest and go digging. But, you know, like things like that, that turn out to be true. Um, we're in, you know, this is the way it drags you in, right? This stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like it gives you a little nugget and then it sort of dangles a carrot and you follow it and then you end up scared. <laughs> but I'll just give you some of the, the highlights. And um, I think it, it allegedly worked really well because one of our group was supposedly psychic or her mom was psychic and then perhaps it passed down to her. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So this thing would go humming around, like the, the little oracle thing would go humming around the, the planchet, the board, at, you know, and we would have to like viciously like jot things down. And like I was like, of course, the wise ass. And there was another friend in the group who was the wise ass. And we were sort of the quote unquote skeptics or whatever. We just sort of were jokey. 
until we weren't, until, until you couldn't be anymore. Um, but it was basically, uh, there were two things trying to come through, supposedly. One was we had a friend in the group, and it turns out, and I don't think he knew this, I don't think he did know this, that, saying that his name was, I don't want to say the name of the guy, but let's say his name was Rick. It would come through on the Ouija board before Rick, before Rick. It would keep saying before Rick. And we're like, who is this? That's before Rick. And it turns out it was his unborn brother, supposedly, that his mom had uh, had a miscarriage uh, and he wanted to come and say hi. And I think they were going to name him uh, Rick, which was our friend's pseudonym here. Um, and so that was, I guess, how this entity knew himself. If any of this is true, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if these entities are actually anything at all uh, and are individuated, who knows? But it was this kind of thing that was intriguing. But the main through line was something about your, I don't know, your mom's boyfriend was a drug dealer and he had mm-hmm. something. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. <laughs> right. He passed when I was 13. And yeah, there was, a, there was, there was something happening there. So at some point now, uh, one of our psychic friend's sister also got involved and she was an adult. And so we would play at her house and she would play too or whatever. She would do it properly. She would kind of set it up for us so we could, and she would invite in her uncle and spirit to assist or something like that. Right. So we got rid of that first guy for the uncle who was like saying, you know, like, don't trust anyone. And, and I guess the things that that were intriguing were at one point, um, I remember, you know, you hear this about smelling perfume. I think we all smelled perfume at one point when the, the uncle first came through, like smelled roses or something. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, ooh, that's amazing. Um, for me, I, I think, were you there when, like, you're not supposed to play with a Ouija board alone? And one fine day, I played with it alone in my living room oh, and tried to contact this thing and be like, is this real? And I remember I had my RCA amplified stereo speakers from Radio Shack on because uh, I had been or was going to listen to music. I wasn't listening to it at the time. I'm noting that because those amplified speakers later had a penchant for becoming staticky and then you have to like get rid of them and get new ones or something. Um, but so maybe just coincidentally there, there was static coming through. This is the first time I'd heard static come through this thing. And I was so paranoid and into this at the time that I thought I heard a voice talking to me in the static. Uh, and I got scared and I remember like feeling heat coming off this board and I was like, I got to, I, I shouldn't be doing this. And I remember I called up my friend Travis, our mutual friend Travis, for him to drive me to, because uh, I didn't have a car or a license at the time, drive to our friend's place with the older sister, the older sister's place, to get whatever this is off the board. And I called him and I got an answering machine from hell, like a multi-tonal we're not home, like an exorcist voice, multi-tonal thing with harp music playing in the background. Like if I dialed a wrong number, that was the perfect wrong number. So I like threw the phone down and, you know, ran outside for a minute and was like, I can't go back in there. And I went back in and then I called up another mutual friend uh, who did come and brought me over to, 
their place, and there were a couple other people there. Were you there at, at this point? This is when, like, the devil comes through. <laughs> uh, I remember... <clears throat> I remember there was a bunch of us at the table in this one particular instance. They had cats. Remember the cats? So yes. in this, oh, this yeah. dining area with this big dining room table that we were on, we had to keep the cats closed off, right? And then they had closed a bedroom door as well. And I remember the cats were freaking out, like really losing it. And then do you remember there was a, um, uh, a radio and the radio kept going on and higher and higher, and it kept switching stations on its own. Nobody else was in the house. Nobody was in that room. And well, there was an answering machine that was clicking over and over and over again. And even the sister was like, calm down. <laughs> well, this was, okay. So I remember the sequence of events of this. Okay. They're burned into my memory forever, which is, yeah, got to the place. There's a group of us there. Uh, I guess her husband uh had left a note for her also saying like and he wasn't into any of this he didn't care about any of this and he left a note for her saying hey the cats are freaking out can you stop doing this <laughs> or something like he believed enough to know that much but so we got on the board and uh whatever this thing was that had wooed us and talked about french bells from a church and told us all this stuff and was talking about this word babas and we were trying to figure oh, yeah. out what the hell is babas and uh, it finally gave way to saying, I am Satan. You're all going to hell. I've got you now. Mwahahaha. And, of course, I in my infinite wisdom say, oh, yeah, right. If you're the devil, prove it. And literally the second I said that, the answering machine starts clicking in the other room. The radio goes on in our friend's bedroom. And a candle holder splits in two right in front of us. A glass candle holder. There were two. Yeah. One of them just there were two split of them. in two. And it was cold, <laughs> cold air emanating off the board. So that was the moment and I just stopped joking. <laughs> that was the moment I stopped joking and I turned to our mutual punk rocker friend, Paul, and we both started bawling our, like, we were like, ah! like crying, like we're going to lose our souls here. So she calls her uncle to the board. Her uncle comes to the board and gets rid of Satan or whatever. And she says, Uncle so-and-so, um, it was Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby, Uncle Bobby. Um, since, since the radio's on, can you uh, turn it to a radio station? And through the static of the radio comes Good Day Sunshine from the Beatles. <laughs> Fascinating. Yep. So I don't know how you debunk that. I know that there are people who are like, oh, the Ouija board, it's all psychosomatic, blah, blah, blah. I, I got to tell you, I got nothing on this one. There's no way for me to like... <laughs> we were both there with others and we all saw the same exact thing. Like, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, I remember trying to deconstruct it with, um, for instance, Travis, who was uber skeptical back then. And he's like, oh, there could be, you know, air bubbles in the candle holder and it could have just he's been a coincidence. But you can't have all of those coincidences happen on time to me saying, prove it, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't happen. Plus the cats, plus, you know, go down the list. So one other interesting aspect of this Ouija thing was, I remember it may have been Uncle Bobby. I, I don't remember what the context of this being tested was, but I remember there was a week we were all gonna be tested somehow. Oh yeah. And I remember 
I don't remember what happened to you, if you remember. You do you remember what it? happened to you in that I week? do remember, but I never talked about it. I listened to your tales and mm -hmm. some of the others in the group, but I never, I don't think I really talked about mine. Mine weren't as extreme as What happened to you? I had like um, an energy come through me. Um, it was like kind of like a sleep paralysis. It was like a full body tingling, but it was just like intense, intense fear. And it was absolutely paralyzing. And that's that happens at least a couple of times during that week. I was terrified. Hmm. But what you were going through was a lot worse. <laughs> well, there's me. There, I remember the only other one that I fully remember was our other friend who was the jokey guy who had like a cup or a mug or something thrown at him. <laughs> like it came flying across the room at him, which... You know, I'm sure that ended his laughing, too. For me, it, it's something that I've downplayed through the years yeah. because um, I didn't know any better. I, like, well, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, for me, it was, and I've probably talked about it on this show. I've certainly written about it. But it was the first time that something walked into my bedroom that I associated with alien abduction, which is why I never... Like, I knew it happened during this week, but to me, this was alien. This was not, like, some ghost thing. So, to me, for years, that was a coincidence. And it was something walking into my room and babbling at me and, you know, had this long, pointy thing in its hand, in its left hand. And it was just, like, walked into my room. I sat upright. It was 3.30 in the morning. Uh, it, I could see its head bobbling. I could hear it talking to me. It wasn't, like, psychic communication. And I sat up and I said, Ma, what are you doing? Go back to sleep. And immediately thought, this isn't your mother. You know what this is. And I was like beyond, like terrified doesn't really paint a picture. It was beyond that. And I lay back down and pulled the sheets over my head and just <laughs> shivered until I went back to sleep or passed out or whatever. And that's it. And I remember waking up and telling, you know, my mom, hey, or asking her, did you come into my room? Knowing she didn't. And she said, no, what are you talking about? And I, I don't think I... I may have told her. I don't know. I told her eventually. I don't think I told her at that point. Um, but anyway, I had always associated that with aliens, and I always was embarrassed that it happened during that week because how can this, you know, how much can happen to one person? And then you later in life find out, like, you know what? This happens to a, pretty much every experiencer where there's something that is embarrassing or calls attention to the facade of the whole thing. Mm -hmm being what you want it to be or being what you think it is. And so you hide it. Even from like UFO researchers, people will hide the really weird part of their experience because they, they want to be taken seriously. And so I guess I was no different. Yeah. Um, but this happened during that week and it's not a coincidence. Like how much can happen to one person really before you realize it's all connected? Didn't your um, mattress shake too? Didn't you have, wasn't it you? Somebody in the group had their mattress shaking at night and I thought it was you. Someone else had their door opening and closing in their room, like a closet door, just open, close, open, close. That wasn't me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But do you remember what that was for? Like, why were we being tested? <laughs> I don't know. It's just when you're kids, it's all like, yeah, man, we're being tested. Like, it makes sense. chaos for a group of middle teens. I mean, come on. <laughs> and how did it end? I don't remember why we stopped. That I don't know either. Maybe we just got scared enough and actually respected it. Probably, yeah. I guess it's good enough an answer as any. Um, so <laughs> that was basically, that was that, our Ouija board high school weirdness. Um, and then I, of course, mm -hmm. go on to have other, like, 
quote-unquote alienish experiences and then quote-unquote spiritual experiences later. Um, what did you go on to do? <laughs> um, hmm. I studied um, Wicca paganism for a bit. Um, I moved to Arizona and I became involved with a group that uh, studies metaphysics, spirituality called the Temple of Universality. Learned meditation, learned Kabbalah, learned, you know, all different things about different practices and took bits and pieces that I liked. And I was just intrigued, you know, I, I was searching, searching, searching for many years. And I had some pretty cool experiences. Um, um, we had, uh, we used to go to a, um, a spiritualist camp uh, in uh, Indiana in the summer, and we experienced physical phenomena there uh, through the old spiritualist mediums. Um, so that was that was cool. Um, more evidence. So there. let me ask you. Let me ask you about that. When you go to a spiritualist camp. They, they're obviously expecting these things to happen, and they've got a definition for it. So they're sort of prepping a defense mechanism in you or something or a story in you to, to be like, this is what it is, and this is how you cope with it, right? Is, is that basically what do you mean? correct? I mean, it's a oh, spiritualist camp. Um, well, <laughs> so. But the phenomena actually happens right then, then and there. Um. No, I know. But what I'm at, I guess what I'm getting at is, um, like, the thing that I, I see with these phenomena is not just that there's the embarrassing part that you want. There's the embarrassing part that you want to block out or you don't want to tell people about. Okay, fair. Even though all of it. What's that? Okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's that part. But there also seems to be an anchor point of something that happens that is undeniable to you. Because, at least for me, later in life... I'm going to want to deny that these things happen to myself, but I can't. I can't deny the reality of the Ouija board thing because of that night where the candle holder split and all of that. Like, there's always some, like, anchor point that you can point to and go, I don't know what all, you know, if all of this is real, but it's real enough. I can't deny the reality of it. But then there's also something absurd that happens in the context of, like, an alien abduction. You know, like, okay, that's absurd enough to make neither one of those contexts be true, that it's a devil in the board or it's an alien coming to my room. Like, if you give it any thought later in life, uh, both of these things are true. It is real, and you don't know what the real is. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a spiritual camp, do they sort of give you, like, yes, this is real, and this is what it is, so that there is no absurdity to it? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, not really. Um, maybe I should tell you about, have you ever heard of the things that they do? Do you want me, no, do you want please. me to talk about that a little bit? Okay. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some of the phenomena, some of the mediums can do what's called cards. Some do silks and some do what's called direct voice. Um, and then they do blindfold billets too. That's pretty cool. Um, it's basically psychic work. They blind their eyes and you write questions. They don't see the papers and they're able to answer and communicate with spirits, which, you know, people can. Um, but for the cards, it's pretty cool because anybody that's new in the group, if there's somebody new they'll take a pack of index cards that's just bought from a store. That person gets to open them, flip through them. They go in a little basket, just this little tight closed basket. It sits on a table that, you know, there, there's an opening so you can see nothing's going to happen. You see everything in the basket. There's pencils, crayons, pastels, pens, you know, just instruments put in there. 
and then the basket is closed. So about mm, 40 minutes to an hour, the medium, the, the medium who does this, he goes around the room, he gives messages to everybody. His guide or doorkeeper, or whoever tells them when, you know, the cards are ready and he opens them and everybody in there has a card. On one side, there's a very intricate picture. Now it, it it's developed through the, through the years. Um, it started off very simple, but now they're like works of art and it's been that way for years. I have a bunch of these cards, actually. I could go grab them if you wanted. And on the other side is names of people who are with you. How does this happen? It, it happens in a little basket. You can even hear little noises coming out of the basket, but we're all sitting there. The lights are on. We see the cards going in, <laughs> you know? So there's really nothing to deny there. Silks is very similar, um, except there are just these little silks and we sit in a room, you hold the silks and um, there's an ink bottle that's open. It's um, a red light though, so you can still see, but it's like a, you know, photography light. And that's basically what it is. It develops pictures on the silk and you can feel, you know, the tingling and all kinds of crazy energy while you're holding the silk for about an hour. And then we're able to look at them in the red light. They stay... Um, wrapped up for 24 hours and then we can look at them. So it's like these pictures develop and often we recognize people who have passed on them. How does that happen? Hmm. It just happens like the candle. <laughs> and what do you get out of that? Proof of that the spirit world is real. Proof that we continue, that we, we're energy. But like after you do it once and you've proved it, then, then like, what's, what's the draw to keep going back and doing that? Uh, cool pictures. You know, we don't always know why we get the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, it might be different names. Um, just the experience. Yeah. I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that, uh, is that something you're doing now or is that something I did it, done in the uh, past? In my twenties. Okay. Yeah, I, I could do it. So that's almost an extension of the Ouija board in a sense, isn't it? Pretty much. It's, yeah. It's in the same realm. Yeah. Physical hmm. phenomena. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So then at some point uh, I'm doing Paratopia with the late, great Jeff Ritzman. Nice. And as we're doing Paratopia, um, the, the podcast, if anyone doesn't know, um, he has his experience. He's an experiencer who remembers everything like in minute detail. And his experiences change from like abduction type stuff with grays to, um, sit down chats with a tall shrouded being. <laughs> and some of which, um, he was able to share publicly, some of which he was not. And some of which he refused to, which I just did a, at, when this airs, I will have just done a, uh, a Halloween special, and I will tell you what those two things are, nice. um, because he was allowed to speak about them. He just didn't want to because, well, you'll have to listen to find out. But go listen to Paratopia to find that out. But what was interesting was the big reveal that this being did about who he is, where he's from, and what his people want uh, was something that he was like, jot this down. Uh, and Jeff did and, and read most of it um, eventually on air, but we read it to you privately. So after we did um, the, uh, the Ouija board special with you and a couple other friends, um, we, uh, Jeff immediately knew 
that there was, I don't remember if the, if the being told him that there's going to be someone you're going to need to tell this to, or if he just felt it, but he knew that there was going to be someone he needed to share this with before we shared it publicly. And it, it was you. One <laughs> Jeff doesn't know you from a hole in the wall. I so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So we called you right back after recording this ridiculously long special and Jeff read it to you. And I thought your, your reaction was interesting because he's like, so does it make sense to you? Um, or I guess I said, it doesn't make sense to you why you're the one to be told this. And you said, you're, you know, you're not really sure because you don't know about all that highfalutin. <laughs> you know, a lot of it is like physics Quantum stuff. physics. But mm-hmm. yeah, but that you were going through some stuff in your life where you were searching and it was a nice confirmation that you should be or something along mm-hmm. those lines. And it's... It, I, I guess I just want to ask you if you remember, because I, I, I reminded you of this before we did this show, and you didn't even remember that at all, that that had happened. And I find that fascinating, that you didn't remember that. So when you re-listened to it, did that jog your memory at all, or do you still not even remember that conversation having taken place? I remember a little. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I can't say I fully remember it. It's strange. At that time, I was trying to... Um, suppress be normal you know (laughs) be sane um but i i was never meant to just live a surface life so um yeah i I have a little bit of a memory of it so the the reason i find that fascinating is because (laughs) of the reason that we're doing this episode which is you had emailed me or whatever dm me saying that you now believe you're an alien abductee yeah that you've had these experience so to my mind, it goes, I flash back to, oh my God, this is what this guy was saying. It's like, hey, you're in the club and, you know, you need to hear this. And to your mind, it's like, yeah, I don't even remember that. This is completely, <laughs> this is completely divorced from that. Uh, do you think it is? Or do you think that something was trying to tell you, hey, you need to look at this? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, one of many wake up calls that was trying to come my way. <laughs> Last commercial break, folks. I promise we're back after this. Who are they? Why are they here? What do they want with us? Why is it all so secret? All of these questions are explored in my new book, Them, in an entirely new way. What do Close Encounter reports tell us? about what the visitors want with us. What is the military's experience? And can our memories be trusted? Can anything be trusted? Them answers all of these questions in a totally new way. It's available in hardcover, softcover, as a Kindle, and as an audiobook. Read by me. Get them today. And what an incredible Christmas gift them and you can get it from the unknowncountry.com store signed by me and so what did you wake up to what what is it now that you are awake to um should i talk about the ex- the experience that i had in sure. january so it was yeah. just this year it was january 13th i'm literally just about to turn 50 years old after all of my seeking in my life and um, I had a dream, not dream. Um, I've always been a lucid dreamer. 
I've been able to, you know, be quite aware in dreams and be involved with them to a degree. But this was real, you know, as real as it could have been. But it wasn't even just me. It was like me, but me that knows a whole lot more. It was like bigger me. So, um, I was having what I thought was a lucid dream. And um, I remember being in a room and the first thing I remember when I started becoming a bit lucid was I just felt overtouched. My eyes were closed and I was just kind of like, I felt a lot of touching on my head and neck and I was just saying, no, 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 stop. And then it stopped and then I was in a room and I remember something somethings, multiple somethings, multiple consciousnesses were inside of my mind. And it was okay. I was completely calm with it, but it, it, there, it's very difficult to explain that there were, there was, you know, one being asking questions here, another here, another looking at info here, another looking at my memories here, and it was all happening all at once. And I was seeing projections and I was given an explanation, more or less, because I was seeing projections of some of my memories being put in front of me, like uh, different versions of myself wearing these sweaters I used to love when I lived in Arizona, you know, for instance, just walking by and I'm like, oh, okay. And, and then I understood, oh, you're in my memories. Okay. And then it felt like they were kind of testing my intelligence and my retention as well. But I also felt a little bit loopy, like a little bit drunk, a little bit drugged. So I was like, oh, I feel like I'm failing this, you know, but I was also really relaxed because of it. Um, but I remember at the time, I didn't feel like I could move my body either. Um, next thing I remember, became a bit more aware. And I, I looked at everything was a screen, I, I suddenly realized it was all a giant screen in front of me, kind of like a big concave IMAX screen, and it was rectangular. And I said, Oh, I said, this isn't real. And I said, you're showing me something. And mentally, I mean, obviously not with hands, but with my mind, I pulled back the corner of the screen and I, that's instant terror because I saw little tiny, shiny gray beings with black eyes. And it was just that, that instant shock. And then I was fully awake at that point. And then I went, wait a minute. And I just went, I ripped it all off. I wanted to see them. I knew them and I knew that I knew them and I was just, it's crazy, but I was happy. Um, I was enthralled. I was intrigued. I was so curious. I felt like I had been waiting for them. Um, and they said, you know, I could hear them speaking in my mind. Um, we came back for you. And I'm like, you came back for me. And I knew that innately, that it it was very true. It, it rang true throughout my whole being. But then I was like, oh, how many times has this happened? Because I have no conscious recollection. Um, and they said three. Actually, I need to go back. You did, you did ask me what happened in childhood. Um, I did have a recurring dream of uh, like, what looked like black helicopters coming to my um, bedroom window throughout my childhood. And I do remember um, bluish whitish lights on the ceiling at one point. 
I don't know if I dreamed it or if it actually happened, but there was that. Totally forgot about that until now. Um, so I, I said, when did that happen? And I saw the number 36 kind of in my mind's eye. And I said, okay, age 36. And that was one of the points in my life where I was making big changes. Um, and then I, I also felt the number three. So I think the first time it happened when I was three, the other time I might've been a bit older child, maybe 12, something like that. Um, I was allowed to ask questions. Some weren't answered. Um, I don't recall everything. Uh, this is one of the reasons I considered going to a hypnotherapist, but then I talked to you about it and I'm like, I'm just kind of weighing it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to color it. And I feel like my memories are also sufficient. I'm intrigued. I know there's more information that I could remember, but I do remember asking, um, well, firstly, how many times it had happened. I asked them if I had any alien children. It's, it's kind of one of those embarrassing things. It's like, why would I ask that? I don't know. I guess I just assumed they were using me genetically. I got no, no response to that, by the way. Um, huh. Yeah. What else did I ask? Um, when, when you got no response to that, did you have a feel like if you're waiting for a response, you just move on or is it like an awkward pause or what happens after no response? Yeah, I just kind of moved on. You know, I, huh. I, I, I was in a very um, interesting state mentally, you know, it was like altered and everything was okay. And like I said, I felt kind of like very peaceful and kind of, you know, drugged. Um, I remember the other questions that I asked. I'm drawing a blank now. Oh, okay. So towards the end, um, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but towards the end, I didn't ask the question, but I mentally thought, oh my gosh, I'm sleeping in a room. My, my body is physically in a room right now with my daughter. I was like, what's happening there? And I, I got the answer that my missing time was only two minutes. So I got that. Um, the other thing that happened so that I remember pretty clearly was, I remember it was kind of like I was laying um, maybe a bit upright, but things went silent for a while. There were no voices. There wasn't much movement. Everything was kind of quiet, but I know there were lots of them around me. And I said, why is it silent? And they said, we're traveling. And I said, where are we traveling to? And they said, Cosmos. And I said, I want to see. And before me, all of these little windows opened up, not actual windows, but you know, it's like they, they, they mentally opened them for me. So I could see what looked like all these little tiny ships. They were all triangular. And so it was like, I was on a much bigger one and all these little triangular, maybe about 20 of them were just all above me and I could see them, but quickly I got a strong feeling of nausea and I had to just like look away. Because it was like there were stars rushing by. It was fast. Um, so that was cool. <laughs> when you say that you uh, were, you felt drugged, mm -hmm. what was that feeling like? Like I've had um, two feelings that I can associate with this. One is being sedated somehow or feeling like, like I'd been in terror and then in the next thing I know, I'm not. So there must be some yeah. sedation process where I'm not in terror. But then there's also the feeling of being so naked like a child, like they can completely 
read you and they know you better than you know yourself. Yes. That, I guess that's the way that's I the always feeling it. when they're inside your mind. They can. That's exactly it. Um, the feeling. So there's no BSing them. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. You're in your pure and raw. That's why I was surprised. It's like, why did I ask this question? Do I have alien children? Like, where did that come from? Why, why, what is that? Okay. You know, when I think about it with my 3D logical mind here, um, it feels like I feel peaceful, really. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like any kind of negative thing, like a sleep paralysis or anything. I just felt relaxed, a bit euphoric. Um, it wasn't a bad thing at all. And for me, I was actually excited for this experience, which surprised me. And one of the reasons, mm -hmm. I mean, very few people know about this. Basically, my husband and two friends who are knowledgeable and on the path themselves and you know, know about these things. And now you and everyone listening. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> um, so when you get up in the morning and you tell your husband, what's his reaction? Thankfully, he's very open-minded. Um, never had any conversation like this before, but I said, I just had an experience. Um, I think this is what happened. I think I was abducted overnight and I'm going to need a few days. Thankfully, I had a few days off from work and um, it might get a little bit weird for a bit. Um, but just just give me time and space. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he, he was supportive. Um, I mean, I've, I've been going down a rabbit hole for a while. We just we just hadn't opened the chapter of, you know, extraterrestrials before, but new flavor. Same for, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So then what do you think you are? Hmm. Who are any of us? I'm just asking because, um, you know, to, for that question to come, like, do I have any alien children and the feeling of almost family or this is to be expected, do you feel as though you're, you know, from somewhere else or do you feel as though you were at some point from somewhere else? Like what, what is, I was or, or not. I would say, yeah, people give it different names, but I would say I'm from the stars, but I wasn't, I'm having these human incarnations, you know, for a reason. I've, I mean, like many of us, we've, I found life um, not easy, you know, adapting to the world and making sense of this crazy world we live in. And it's fundamentally backwards in so many ways. And um, yeah, I feel like an alien pretty much. Um, if I had to say where I'm from, I would say I'm from the stars. If I had to give, but who, who are you? Who are any of us? We're stardust. <laughs> right. Would you have said that before this experience? No, I would have said I didn't know who I was. But now I feel like I have a better sense. And has anything happened since that experience? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot. This year has been very active. Um, <laughs> I didn't write down. There were some dreams, lucid dreams that probably weren't dreams. Um, I didn't write down as much. I, I do write down a lot. Um, I do remember there were some other beings with um, different looking faces. That one was a little scarier but like i said i didn't write anything down from that it's just it's kind of become the norm and my main experience is that one though did you have any experiences or i guess let me ask it this way you talked about the spiritualism thing and 
if there were other types of paranormal shenanigans you were up to prior to this, how does this compare to those or how does it fit in with those if it does? Um, it, it does fit in. It, it's, it makes it all more. Um, back in, I would say, 2021, uh, early 2021, I had a reawakening. Um, I connected with my friend Helene, who um, I introduced you to. And um, she does these wonderful classes just in, you know, meditation, there's, there's developing, you know, abilities, there's questioning. Basically, the main thing we do is we question, we talk about our experiences, and it's a group of like-minded people, right? I started having a lot of what we would call peak experiences, where you have an energy or, or beings, what have you, with you. Um, I mean, we could make a whole show about that. But for a lot of us, I'm sure it's, it's, it's a similar experience. It's you, you get to a point, you, you have these peak experiences where you're, you know, you experience this absolute euphoria, this absolute bliss, this connectedness, this, this, you're one with all and, and you are in everything and everything is you and, you know, we're all God type thing. Um, that, that happens it happens. Have you had experiences with what people call spirit guides? Oh, yeah. I actually just finished, well, the, the course I said, uh, there's a local medium who's pretty well known, and I finished a course with her. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've, in Camp Chesterfield, actually, um, that's where, back in my 20s, we started talking about spirit guides, and I started learning about them and kind of feeling it out and being like, yeah, I could see myself having, you know, a joy guide that, you know, helps uplift me and one that, you know, protects and that sort of thing, like a band, a tribe that's with you to help you along. So what is the difference or the, or the similarity, however it pans out, between interacting with a spirit guide and interacting with uh, an alien? Much more dramatic with the alien. Um, much more vivid, much more... Not that it's not real, but because it's very real. Like we get we get tangible evidence, you know, that uh, you know we're spirit and spirit is with us. Those that have passed with us and whatnot. But there was a potency to that experience that's hard to convey unless you've actually experienced it. In terms of communicating, um, is there the same sort of back and forth that you had with in the alien that you do with uh, a spirit guide? Is it the same sort of thing? <laughs> It's not as clear with with them. It was um, completely telepathic, well, as it is with spirits as well. But it was a very clear voice. There was a, a unique cadence to it. It's hard to describe. Um, yeah, telepathic. It was strong. It was clear. Um, it didn't sound like how one of us would speak. With with. Working with spirit, it's different. It, you know, words will come to you in different ways, whether it's seeing or hearing or feeling or knowing. Um, but with with them, it was very clear, very specific, very easy. Like it was just right mm. there. Like it was like you had a direct link to them, and it, you know, the hearing was just boom. It was it was like having a stereo inside your head. Mm. It's a bit different. So do you have the, you know, I know nobody can really answer this for sure, obviously, but just your in your heart of hearts impression, do you think that these are 
are all sort of um, the finger puppets of one intelligence, or do you think that these are different types of intelligences that you're interacting with? Both. I feel like I feel like where I am on my path. Um, in a way, I mean, we are all one. It's all one, but there are many in the one. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Maybe you could answer that better than I can. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're more eloquent than I am, Jeremy. <laughs> well, but I mean, I guess, yeah, we're all one, but we're also all two. So on the level mm -hmm. that we are all two, do you think it's a, a lie? <laughs> do you think it's an act that this, their sense of two-ness, like the paranormal sense of two-ness, I guess that's, that's what it is. Or do you, like... It seems as though you're, you know, it would be easy to think you're progressing through mm. stuff. Like you, you go here, you have this experience, and then you graduate, and you're ready to have this experience over here. Is that how you feel about it? And if so, I guess that's the question of like, well, then how differentiated are these beings from each other? Uh, outside of the grand, you know, we're all one energy expressing as all these different things. But in their own terms, do they have autonomous lives do aliens have a culture? Do spirit beings have a realm they dwell in? Or is it all, you know, an intelligence just, you know, interacting with us this way? Um, when we're ready for this next thing, they bring us to the next thing. Yeah, um, I I think they might be one and the same, actually. And it's just easier for us. Some, for some reason, it's easier for us to digest, you know, oh, this is my great grandma who has passed, you know, a spirit who's, you know, my, my guardian angel or whatever, uh, versus extraterrestrials because that's like a whole can of worms but i i feel like ultimately they're one and the same but it's interesting what you said about like the alien thing being theater you know you know because yeah. that is prevalent you know it is there is a lot of theatrics and you could say you could you know try to chalk it up to well it's a dream and so in dreams you're going to have all that sort of stuff but people have had dreams that aren't dreams or dreams that are interrupted by spirits yes. and by Ooh, grandma yes. and by oh, whatever. Absolutely. And it seems to be pretty straightforward, like, hey, I'm doing well, I'm okay, or hey, I have something to communicate to you, and then that's it. There's no real theater there, right? Yeah. Like in the way that it is with there's no pulling back a curtain and suddenly grandma is a bunch of grays or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the difference is we're working with the finite mind versus when we're in that relaxed dream state, that that bigger us state, we're just able to digest a lot more. And it's something how, why they're able to make like such a powerful connection with us telepathically, I don't know. Hmm. But you're okay with it, so oh, yeah. uh, all right. Well, that's good. <laughs> you're <laughs> that's that's half the battle right there, honestly. So it's probably better it came to you later in life, I guess. Yeah, I, I, um, I and having gone through all these other things. Yeah, you know. like some of your experiences that uh, I, I've listened to, um, especially in younger years, I, I would have absolute pure terror. I mean, I did have that moment, but yeah, but I lost it quickly. Hmm. Do you think that the terror is for something or do you think that the terror is, is just sort of an allergic reaction to abnormalcy? Probably. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, you're instantly you're like, oh, I'm not safe. You know, you're brought back to that point right. in childhood where, you know, it's just, you know. That's true. Mm -hmm. 
Very true. All right. Well, so is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to cover? Hmm. I don't think so. Okay, perfect. Um, is there anything that you, like, let me ask you this way. How about this? Um, I don't, because I don't think I've ever asked anyone this question this way. Because I, what I want to ask is like, where do you see this going? But really, maybe a better question is when you've thought in the realm of this paranormal stuff that you've had happen in your life or that you've in actively engaged with, did it go where you thought it was going to go? No, it got bigger and it was okay. And, <laughs> and so with the alien thing, do you project like, Oh, I think I know where this is going or do you not even bother with that? I don't know where it's going. Okay. Well, please let us know <laughs> if it if it goes somewhere else. If it takes a right, a right, if you find yourself in a room with a shrouded man telling you that oh, life is a yeah. fractal and he comes yes. from a particle, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tracy, thank you for sharing all of this with us. And um, I don't know. It, it just brings me right back to the weirdness of everything, like talking to you and thinking about it in terms of childhood and all of that. Cause it, you know, it gets pretty stale for me just in terms of like talking about my own stuff or hearing my own life or whatever, you know? Um, but this brings back the magic <laughs> of like, yeah, it really is odd that, that this little sleepy little town produced this, but also, as you know, um, also there seemed to be like a renaissance of creativity and that's, that can't be a coincidence either because, um, I mean, that's one of the things we found doing the project core experiencer survey is that oh. most people, at least who did the survey, um, consider themselves artistic or musicians or creatives in some way, Interesting. um, who had these experiences. So it makes sense. I guess there's that connection. Well, we're more yeah. open naturally. Right. And so, so maybe I'll, I'll end it on this question. When we're talking about this in terms of like openness or it happens in liminal states, you know, because it breaks up your reality tunnel and we tend to like, we try to pontificate on what that really means. Do you think it's simple? Do you think it's simply like the Western mind is the construct in that if we were living like naturally, <laughs> we wouldn't have this construct to break through that all of this stuff would be even more apparent and more accepted and, and all of that. And we would have a better handle on what these paranormal things are Absolutely. because we're not blocking it out with the nine to five grind mindset and all of that. Absolutely. Native cultures are raised with these as you are part of nature. They don't have to learn these things. They don't have to become something else and then break it all down to get back to their roots and realize, Oh, wow. You know, to find who they really are, that they're part of source. Right. So, yeah. And we solved it. Great. Thank you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Tracy, thank you again for, for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. That's it, Dreamland. I'm out. Have a good rest of your year. Thank you for listening and watching on YouTube. And thank you, Whitley, for letting this entire episode play out for free. Normally, um, a portion of this is um, fenced off for subscribers. So you're getting a taste of what you're missing. If you're not a subscriber, go to unknowncountry.com, click the subscribe tab and join and get all of 
everything ever that Whitley and I have done, mostly Whitley, of course, um, completely commercial free. So go do it. Uh, if you haven't heard the ending of all of Whitley's episodes, you're missing out. You've got like a, a half a lifetime of stuff to listen to. So, you know, treat yourself right this holiday season. I don't know. I'm terrible at advertising. But anyway, um, thank you all again for listening, and I will see you at some point next year. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.